everybody so good to see you all today how's it going everyone good everyone doing well everyone enjoying the sun out there today it's father's day happy father's day to any fathers in the room 
We're going to just take a moment and just uh, greet the people kind of worshiping around you today. Say hey to them. If you need a question today, what plans do you have for this beautiful Father's Day? Ready? Go on and just meet the people around you. As we continue in our worship service this morning, just a psalm to kind of invite us in. This is Psalm 136, verses 1 through 3, and it says this. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. If you've ever read that psalm, it continues on. So many different things that we can give uh, thanks and praise to our God for just all different names and the things that he's done. Our God is mighty and he is so good. As we get into our worship today, we just invite you to stand with us and sing this song out. We're going to sing a thousand names, the thousand names of God that we sing back to him to remind ourselves and him that he is our Lord and our Savior today. So let's sing this together.
Of the faith and 
with one voice a thousand generations sing worthy is the lamb who was slain and on that day and on that day invite kids pre-k through second grade to come on up for children's ministry today i noticed when checking kids in i only had three where are all of your friends this morning that means you guys get to do extra crafts, all right? All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this beautiful Sunday morning. Thank you for bringing us to your house of worship this morning where we can learn about you. Please bless us as we go about our day and celebrate our fathers. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Yeah, when I'm standing outside, I'm like, whoa, yeah, we'll see how many people show up this morning. <laughs> no, happy Father's Day to you, grandfathers. Um, thank you. Some of you, maybe even great-grandfathers, don't know. Um, and as well to any of you who are that positive male influence on somebody's life. Um, I think sometimes we diminish that with both Mother's Day and Father's Day, it, is you don't necessarily have to be a father or a mother to be that influence. And so if you're being that influence um, in somebody's life, thank you. This morning, I just want to say thank you. God bless you and keep going. Uh, amen? 
It's not easy to be a parent. It's not easy to be a role model. It's not easy to to walk with folks because we know, if we're honest, we're fallible, (laughs) right? Uh, And it's the journey isn't about being perfect. A lot of times, it's actually allowing our imperfections to be seen, right? And then that we can learn from them. We can ask for forgiveness, right? We can grow. I think those are some of the biggest lessons we can ever learn. So there's your sermon before we get to the sermon. Um, a couple of ministry highlights, though, uh, that I want to just put a, put a note on is we've had a, a team down in Honduras this week, and, and thank you for praying for them. Hopefully they got back. Uh, I think they were supposed to get back last night. I haven't heard, uh, but all the pictures I've been seeing is just some, some awesome work down at Abundant Life Christian School. We love that partnership. Grateful for that partnership. Uh, so again, thanks for your prayers. Uh, keep praying for the school and Jake and Rachel Campan as they help lead the school. Uh, they're missionaries we support. We're grateful for that work. Um, we've got a small team of six folks uh, from that young adults that are going to be heading down to, to Roseland, uh, I think a little later on today, Roseland Christian Ministries, down on the south side of Chicago. We had a longtime partnership with them through youth ministries with our young adults, so uh, pray for that. There's six, six folks heading down, just leaders, young, young folks, so uh, grateful for their work. We've got another team of folks who are hiking the Appalachian Trail. Um, so yeah, our executive pastor Darwin is is on that. Part of his goal, he just keeps working his way through the whole trail. He's going to make the whole thing. Props to him. I can't do it. Um, so, but one of the cool things in doing this trip, it's just kind of gained steam throughout the years. Is just again, we're, we we want to build community. The biggest thing about the church is not a building. It's it's us, right? It's relationships. We we don't grow into the friendships. Um, into the family without just spending time together. And, and as that's kind of grown, uh, we've got a, a good-sized group from our community, but there's four folks from North Carolina who somehow heard about it via online, right, and joined in from another church. So how cool is that, uh, that now the bigger body of Christ is connecting over <laughs> hiking mountains. But hey, um, so we pray for them this week. And then finally, I just want to highlight uh, Mika's Lunch is also a ministry we support here, partner with in the Dominican Republic in particular. Um, And they work primarily help feed uh, students, families, uh, but they have a a golf outing fundraiser coming up. Uh, You can certainly, we'll leave this up uh, so you can, during prayer, yes, I know, but if you need to quick hit the QR code, otherwise you can head over to heartofwhite.com and read some more about that. So just some things to highlight for you, and I want to invite you to join me in prayer as we continue in worship. Lord, I love being able to come out of that song, Hymn of Heaven, and think about a kingdom Lord, that is perfectly formed around you, that is our hope one day. The way the world was created and meant to be before Satan and sin, Lord, caused disruption and brokenness, disordered desires and dreams, Lord, has affected all of us. Lord, you created a beautiful and and perfect creation. We had a a beautiful and perfect relationship with you. There was harmony with all of creation. Lord, to know that 
you're still working for that purpose. Lord, I know we're not in that part of the Lord's Prayer this morning, but Father, we pray. We pray to you as a loving Father, today as a great God, a holy God, a worthy God, a God who's beyond our comprehension. We pray that that kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. That we would see more of your perfection. That we'd see more of your beauty, your set-apartness, your holiness. That we'd see more of the way it's supposed to be in relationships, in systems, in structures, Lord, in our communities and in our lives. Father, thank you for the glimpse of that that we get to see in you because of Jesus. We get to, again, as we talked about last week, God, we get to call you Father. You are a parent who loves us, who are, who's, who's good and is committed to us. God, when we pray to you, we pray to one who is, completely knows us, sees us, and tells us we belong. You rescue us. You breathe your life into us. Lord, I pray no, no, that no matter where we come from today, no matter what our current circumstances of life are, that your spirit will make that known to us. That you'll give us a peace that surpasses all understanding, guards our hearts and our minds in the name of our brother and our Lord Jesus to know that we are yours, your beloved child. God, maybe we need to hear that um, as, as folks who are, as we're going through health issues and even crises. Maybe we need to hear that in light of Father's Day and, and Lord, maybe because of our relationship with our Father is, is, is maybe not what it's intended to be. Maybe we need to hear that today uh, because our family isn't all right. Maybe we need to hear it because, Father, we've lost a loved one and we've entrusted them to your care outside of what we can reach and touch at this moment. But Lord, we could lean this morning into your goodness, into your love, your grace. Help us to do that. And Father, help us to see your greatness. Today, as, as we focus on our Father in heaven, who isn't bound by this world, who's the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things. God, we, we need your strength. You're the one who can heal. You're the one who can make that kingdom known. You're the one who is the ruler, who is deeply engaged in this world, not disconnected from it, disengaged. We need, to, we need to know that your power surpasses anything that we can comprehend, that you are transcendent, that you're the creator of the universe. You're not bound by it. We need to continue to see. I know I need to see your greatness. Because without that, anything else just pales and it can't hold my life. It can't hold our life. So Lord, let us today be able to see that greatness. Holy Spirit, show us the glory of God. Lord, and as we dive into the Word, as we be able to take, we're able to take from communion this morning, the word and sacrament. Lord, we get to not only think, have our minds hopefully challenged and changed and transformed by you, our hearts, Lord, challenged, changed, transformed. 
But Lord, we can also taste, literally taste and see your goodness and your greatness. So help us in our whole being this morning to experience you, Jesus. God, thank you. Thank you for this privilege. Thank you for this gift. Thank you for who you are. Thank you um, that we get to talk with you, have a relationship with you because of Jesus and because of your love. In your name we pray. All God's people said, amen. We've been journeying this summer uh, through the Lord's Prayer. And uh, the disciples, as they come to Jesus, they say to him, teach us how to pray. Right? They, had, they saw this relationship, this inseparable relationship that Jesus the Son had with the Father and then the Holy Spirit at work, that they're like, you know, there's something different in you. Right? The disciples, these followers of Jesus, followed Jesus because there was just something different about him. Right? I'd, I'd like to say, as we've prayed, they got to see God's kingdom in its fullness wrapped in this person here on earth as it is in heaven. They got to see beauty and perfection. They got to see something that they knew they could never do on their own. They could, something that was beyond them that, that, that while they could at times touch, they could never for themselves grasp. And then to know that this Jesus was here to give his grace, man, this unmerited favor and life and love to offer forgiveness and mercy. I mean, they wanted what he had. And so like any good disciple, following their rabbi, their teacher, right, they say, tell us your prayers. How do we engage God? But because of just the uniqueness of teach us, teach us to pray. Like last week, we talked about our God as Father. And and what does that mean? It isn't because God is somehow a male. No, God is spirit. Uh, And yet, Jesus says, let me tell you something, though, first about God. Before he's transcendent, before he's beyond our comprehension, you can actually see in me that our God is imminent. Imminence means he puts skin on. Right? He comes within the world. The light has come. And those who've who've received him, we hear in John, get to call God. They're children of God. They get to call him Father because of Jesus. And so in God, we see his character. In the Father, when we pray, our Father, we see the character of God. We see his love and his mercy. What we'll read today in Psalm 33, his unfailing love, his commitment, his connection. He's imminent. He's connected to us. But when we continue in the prayer that Jesus teaches us, he says, but it doesn't stop there. Our Father, who art in heaven. So J.I. Packer, he's a a pastor, theologian. Early on at the beginning of this series, uh, I flashed a tiny little book um, that he wrote. It's something that is kind of devotional if you want to ever pick it up. But he writes this about our Father in heaven. He says, the vitality of prayer lies largely in the vision of God that prompts it. So our prayer life, our communication with God, lies largely in the vision of God that prompts it. We were talking about that a little bit last week. We're carrying it on today. Drab thoughts of God make prayer dull. Amen? Uh, if we don't know who God is, if God's just kind of out there, if God's the, even the universe, right? I, What's, what's prayer, right? If I'm not clear about who God is, it makes prayer dull. And then he puts in parentheses, could this be your problem? 
<laughs> you're like, we're like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, J.I. Packer, for speaking into my life. He goes on to say, a book was once published with the little, with the title, Great Prayers of the Bible. And then goes on to say, the mark of great prayers in the Bible or elsewhere is that they express a great awareness of a great God. So when we think of God as our Father, we think about the goodness. I want you to think about the goodness of God. But when we think about in heaven, it's not primarily a location because actually where, heaven, where God is, heaven is. Heaven is God's dwelling. One day when there will be a day, heaven and earth will come together. The dwelling of man, earth, humanity, and the dwelling of God will be reunited fully. There will be no veil. There will be nothing. And in fact, when Jesus was 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 crucified, the veil of the temple torn between the holy of holies and earth so that, guess what, maybe heaven and earth are a lot closer than what we think. Because wherever God is, his dwelling is, heaven is. So it's less actually about location as it says something about who God is. That our Father in heaven is about a great God. What we're going to talk about today, a limitless creator and an engaged ruler. That when we pray to our Father in heaven, we see a good God and a great God. So my wondering for us is how great is God in your life? Carl Sagan once said this, your God is too small for my universe. How many of you are in the 80s? Anybody? Now Sagan existed before the 80s, but Cosmos was on PBS. I remember this. So Yep, I'm dating myself, so that's all right. We're getting there. My body reminds me I'm dating myself every day. <laughs> but Carlos, I, I love how he picks up on this. Let me read some more of the context. He wasn't alone in saying this. Uh, actually, earlier in the 1600s, um, a man by the name Giordano Bruno, um, he was actually burnt at the stake in the 1600s, in February 17 of 1600, because he said the earth wasn't the center of the universe. Now, we know he's not the first person to say this, but he was burnt at the stake in the Inquisition, so by the church, because he said the earth wasn't the center of the universe, that the universe might be infinite. Like, and in, in we're starting to see with the James Webb telescope, the, earth, the universe is a whole lot bigger than what we actually think. He goes, man, the, there's abundant planets. This is crazy. There might actually be abundance of life. Who knows? Right, engage us to go, is my God big enough to handle what we might find in science? And this is where Carl Sagan picks up. And, and, and let, he's not a Christian, but it's interesting if you listen to how he engages things, how he, he even his posture changes throughout life. But uh, that's going to go down a squirrel moment. But let me read what, what he talks about. He says, how is it that hardly any major religion, so he's picking not just Christians, just major religion. How is it that hardly any major religion has looked at science and concluded, this is better than we thought? Huh. That maybe... Science can show us something more, and it might be better than what we thought. The universe is much bigger than our prophets said or teachers said, right? Grander, more subtle, more elegant. Instead, they say, no, 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 no. My God is a little God, and I want him to stay that way. 
How often does religion try to control? How often have we done that? He goes on to say this, a religion old or new that stressed the magnificence of the universe as revealed by modern science might be able to draw forth reserves of reverence and awe hardly tapped by the conventional faiths. Let me read that one more time because I think man, there's some wisdom in this. And I don't think he realizes, I think he knows, he thinks it's wise, but I don't think if we know the God of our universe, he knows how truly wise his words are. A religion, old or new, that stressed the magnificence of the universe is revealed by modern science. This doesn't mean we worship science, but as revealed, we can see, might be able to draw forth reserves of reverence and awe hardly tapped by the conventional faiths. Your God is too small for my universe. Or is he? Does our God hold the universe in his hands? I want to take us to Psalm 33 this morning. I think throughout this, what I'm finding is we're walking through this series on prayer. I'm drawn to the prayers of God's people, the book of Psalms. These are prayers and songs of God's people throughout the ages. And so I think it, it captures, and Jesus knows this too. I mean, we're praying. He's saying this is how you pray. Why wouldn't the prayers of the people help us understand this prayer Jesus is teaching us? So let's go into this prayer, Psalm 33. It starts this way. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It's fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the heart. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully. Shout for joy. Whip out a Les Paul, a Takamini acoustic, a Nord red keyboard. How cool is that? <laughs> Bang on the drums a little bit. Sing for joy to the Lord. Is our God worth singing to? Is our God big enough to pray to? Do the, does the vision of heaven and earth collide? Does it capture our hearts? The psalmist says, absolutely, I want to sing. I want to make this God known. Goes on in verse 4. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness, rightness, and justice. When things are, are, are done rightly, the earth is full of his unfailing love. Right, Our Father, the goodness of God, the character of God. Now listen to ver in verse 6. By the word, the Lord, the, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry hosts, by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the water of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Right? The psalmist is reminding us today that God is creator, not created. Right? Our God, when we think of our, our Father in heaven, is a God who goes, no, I am the origin of life. I am the one who stands outside of it. I'm not controlled by it. I'm not creation as though I am bound within it. I actually stand outside of it. With my breath, I can speak it to being. With one word, 
I can call things forth. Out of nothing, I can do something. And to me, if I, I want to dive down the road of philosophy, yeah, we can talk about the origins of the universe, and if you think God can exist, so could the universe. That's Carl Sagan. <laughs> and I go, oh, yeah, sure, you can go that way. But when I think about God, God is bigger than anything. Like, I've got to be able to have in my, in my view, in my perception, a God who can gather Lake Michigan as well as Superior Huron, Erie, Ontario, right? <laughs> the Great Lakes. I've, I've got to have a God who goes, you know what? I can make sure that the Atlantic has some boundaries to it and the Pacific only goes where it means and the Antarctic kind of does what it does. I'm the one who stands outside of it. By the way, I'm also the one who created all those galaxies you see when the James Webb telescope is showing us, or, or satellite is showing us images that you couldn't comprehend. I'm the one who created it. The one who can gather those things then is limitless, not limited, right? Because he's not creation, he's not bound by it, he stands outside of it, everything, he actually holds the world in his hand. He's got the whole world in his hands, he's got the whole, sorry, I'm going to Sunday school, right? I, I did enjoy some of Sunday school. <laughs> He's got you and me, brother. No, okay, yeah. Then I'm going to start getting gospel-y, so we'll, we'll hold off on that, right? But our God is a creator in heaven, right? If he's in heaven, that means he's not bound by earth. He's not just a creator who can make things happen. But if God isn't limitless, then somehow he's limited, amen? Right? Philosophy. I don't mind philosophy. I love philosophy, <laughs> Sometimes we don't think anymore. We just react. Put your thinking cap on. If God is truly God, he's got to be limitless. Doesn't mean he doesn't allow himself constraints and hold those. But I need to believe that God stands outside of it. When I start to capture a picture of who God is that, that, that can create, that with a breath can, it can, can just, here's life. With a word, something can be formed. Like that now, if I pray, am I going to have a dull, drab prayer life? Will I maybe fear God? My knees might shake a little bit, right? I mean, Moses certainly knew when he was talking to a pillar of a fire or a cloud that was like, somehow, I, I wish, you go AI sometime, go like find, jump on Dolly or something and go like, you know, Exodus journey or God in the wilderness and see some cool images that like AI actually comes up with. So um, we won't go down the track on AI right now. <laughs> but Moses certainly was like, ooh, God is bigger than me. Forced him to his face when he saw a burning bush. Now not just a pillar of fire, but a bush that was burning and wasn't consumed fell to his face. My fear of the Lord, and then to know that, oh, wait a second, our Father in heaven, this God is for me, not against me, right? Allows us to be able to go, man, this transcendent God and this imminent God who's got flesh, oh, man, I can talk with you? Psalmist writes, man, this is our God. He's a limitless creator. Do we believe it? Is our God big beyond what we can comprehend? Psalmist continues in verse 8. It says this, 
Um, and actually, I'm just picking up on what we just read. I think it's a, a cool little marker there that could be the, the end of the one phrase, but can also be the beginning of the next idea. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, it came to be. He commanded, it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts, that's always a fun word. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Let me read that one more time. But the plans of the Lord stand forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. So blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven, the Lord looks down and he sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches or he keeps all who live on earth. He who forms the heart of all, who considers everything they do. So I read those words, I I then think of God not just as creator, a limitless creator, but he's a ruler. He isn't ruled, right? He thwarts the plan. He's somehow moving in the world. He's somehow moving his plan forward, the plan that's deep into the desires of his heart, right? The the plan we sung of where where death will be no more, where sin will be no more, where, where the brokenness in our systems and our structures and in ourselves will be no more. This is the plan he's moving and he's saying, nothing's gonna stop this plan because I'm the ruler. I'm not ruled. It may seem like other voices are taking the lead. It may seem like those who take on his name or give nothing to his name seem to be in charge. But he goes, no, 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 nothing in all of creation, right, because I'm creator, I'm limitless, is going to rule me. I am still in charge. Do you believe that? You trust when we sing, he's got the whole world in his hands, he's actually still working his purposes? Do we trust that they're good? This is why we can't disengage in heaven from our Father. We can't disengage his greatness from his goodness. Many other religions actually will ascribe the greatness to God. They may not understand his goodness. Sometimes we also falter and go, and he's so good and personal that we forget he's great. That he's ruler, not to be ruled by us. Sometimes we go into prayer to dictate to God what he ought to do. And we forget that he's working his purposes that are sometimes bigger than us. Not only is he a ruler, though, again, when we think of his goodness, he is engaged. He is not disengaged. To think about being engaged, it, it, it means he wants to be. It's not just that he's connected to us. It's that he wants to be connected to us. If you're getting engaged to be married, you want to get married to the other, I hope. (laughs) Otherwise, let's talk, and maybe it's not the right person. But our ruler is an engaged ruler in our lives. He sees us. He sees all of mankind. He looks down. While he is in his dwelling, he's not disconnected. He watches. He keeps us. He considers all the things that we're doing and how everything gets crafted together. He can take my life, all the ins and outs, and your life, and your life, and your life, and he can somehow, on the grand scheme, throw it all out on the table and be able to go here, 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 
Yep, yep, yep. How many of you, when you were engaged, had to do table seating? Oh, that's a fun job. <laughs> and yet, our God is great enough to handle table seating. Ha ha. Yeah, okay. <laughs> is the God we pray to the ruler of the world? Do we trust that he's capable in his wisdom to lead, to guide? Do we trust that he's engaged? The rest of the psalm, we hear some of the implications of this. Verse 16. No king is saved by the size of his army. See, that's logic, right? <laughs> Get a bigger army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. I just got to be stronger, right? I got to do more. How many of us ever live life doing that, right? I've got to be better. A horse, that's a vain hope for deliverance. Despite its great strength, it cannot save. Right? When we engage God, it's about our trust and our faith. Is, is he big enough? goes on, but the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him. And those whose hope is in his unfailing love. To deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. That God can deliver us from death, even death itself. I think actually literally death, because that, that's, the, that's the biggest punch sin and Satan has, is if I can completely, you know, murder you. Ha, you're done. And yet what? Jesus was resurrected and said, yep, even that one's got nothing. Doesn't hold a candle to my power and my authority. But I love this next part. And keep them alive in famine. How many of us have seasons where it feels like, man, there's just, we don't have enough. I'm not enough. Lord, I need this to change in my life. I don't know what to do. God, I don't know where I'm going. I, I, I'm, I'm just at a loss. And the promise of our, our, our limitless creator, our engaged ruler is this. I can keep you going in famine. I can keep you fed. If I can feed thousands in the wilderness from manna and quail, trust me, I got you. It goes on to say this, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. His name that is like no other, his name that is beyond even our comprehension, his name that is good and great. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Psalm 46 says, Lord, you are my strength, my refuge, and ever-present help in trouble." goes on to say, even though the, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, the, the, the earth is filled with quaking and surging. Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Then at the end of the psalm, just be still. God goes, be still and know that I'm God. I'm limitless. I'm engaged. I'm not only your strength and your help, I'm a refuge. You want to know why that's good news for us? Paul reminds us of this in Ephesians. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, 
This is in Ephesians 2. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. And it's by grace that you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2 verse 6. Let me read this one more time. God raised us up with Christ and now, I'm going to add that word because that's actually what's being said. It's not and will one day and now currently in this moment and already has been Christ, we've been seated with him in the heavenly realms in God's dwelling in Christ Jesus. And this is in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, right? Okay, beyond limitation. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. You now are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Can I make that make sense to you? I can't. <laughs> I could try. You are with Christ where he is seated now on the throne. You are with Christ connected to our God who created the world, who is limitless, our God who rules the world and is engaged to it. And you are now connected to him so that no matter what takes place, there is a part of you that is untouched by the brokenness of the world, that is untouched and can be untouched by your past, your present, and what will be, that is secure. He is your refuge, your hiding place. Ah, oh, man, Our Father in heaven? Is this a dull, drab prayer? Lord, I need you to keep me alive in, in famine today. Father, I feel like everything's dying around me. You know what? I can confidently pray that to God. And sometimes without confidence, I can say, but the, you say who you are because I don't, I don't determine you. You're unruled. You're, you're, you're even unchecked. Like, you're bigger than yourself. Like, I can even comprehend. But so, so, Lord, I don't get it right now, and I need you to help me just get it. And I know I can pray that because you're good. Help me understand your greatness. Sometimes in our understanding of his greatness, we need to, again, see his goodness. He's got the whole world in his hands. Yeah, he does. That means he cares. If I can bring us back to Packer, right after the vitality of prayer, could this be your problem? <laughs> he writes this, the invocation of God in the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, draws us into just such an awareness, right? Of the greatness, the wonder of God. Our Father speaks to the quality and depth of God's love to Christ's people. The quality and depth of God's love to Christ's people. All the sustained care and concern that a perfect Father could show. Now, who art in heaven? Sets before us the fact that our divine Father is great. That means he's eternal, he's infinite, he's almighty. Thus that phrase makes us realize that God's love is unchanging. It's unlimited. It's unconquerable in its purposes. And it's more than able to deal with all, that need, all the needs we bring when we pray. Prayer shaped and supported by thoughts like this will not be dull. Our Father, who art in heaven. What do we mean by this? Before we dive into communion, I just want to 
bring us to the words of Isaiah. Isaiah writes this in Isaiah 57, verse 15. For this is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. See, God being unlimited means he's not even bound by heaven, that he can break into earth. I can live in heaven and live with you. And then finally, verse 18 says this, I've seen their ways, and I've seen the ways of the world, I've seen the ways of my people, I've seen their sin, but I will heal them. Right? This is our God. I will heal them. I will guide them and restore comfort to Israel's mourners, creating praise on their lips. Peace, peace to those far and near, says the Lord, and I will heal them. This is what we're reminded of in communion today. Peace, peace to those far and near. I will heal them. I have healed them in Christ Jesus. How? Well, Jesus said, this is my body. Given for you as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. He said those words after he had given thanks to the Lord. Praise God for who he was. Praise God in the midst of knowing he was going to a cross. Praise God because he knew the purposes of God were to bring life and salvation to all that he loved, all that he created. This is my body given for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And then he took a cup that they had shared together. He said, this cup, and it's a new covenant. It's a new promise. It is the purpose of God for the forgiveness of our sins. It's his blood shed for us. I don't know about you, but the grace of God, the goodness of God, and the greatness of God that would go to a cross, would defeat death, even now sits on the throne, is the good news I need. And it's the good news that is for you, for me. I'm going to pray, and then at the end of the prayer, I'm going to invite us to say the Lord's Prayer together to close our prayer. So again, let these words not be a mantra, but be words that mean something to us today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, We get to pray this, not because our minds have simply been reminded that you are our Father, that Jesus did something, so now mechanically we just make sense of it in our heads, so it is. Now we need that. We need our minds shaped by you. We need reason, and we need uh, things to make sense. But Lord, we also need our physical senses to taste and see Lord, we need to know deeply that, that Jesus, who, who lived and died 2,000 years ago, there's something real about it for us today, it, tangible. 
So we come to your table, not because we come, but because you've invited. And so we've responded. Thank you for welcoming us to your table. Thank you for welcoming us into your family as not only a father, but as the one who is in heaven, who is great, who is beyond our comprehension. You are God of the world, a limitless creator, and yet you are engaged as our ruler. We bend our knee to you as our Lord and Savior. Thank you. As you have nourished, hopefully, our minds by the gospel, nourish now our senses our being, through the bread and through this juice. Holy Spirit, make these things make sense to us. Make them, communicate through them your grace to us. Put the extra in these ordinary things so we can taste and see your extraordinary goodness. And Father, again, we pray to you the words that you, Jesus, have taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power in the glory forever. Amen. This time I want to invite those who are serving uh, to come forward as well as our worship team. And as they're coming forward, again, I want to invite you. We have a, a table that says, if you've been baptized in the name of Jesus, if, um, if you believe in his name, if you put your trust in his name, maybe it's this much today, maybe it's this. I, it's not about an evaluation. But if you say yes to Jesus, that means you've heard his invitation. Come. Come receive. Know that God has forgiven you and offered his grace so you can start anew. Know that it is God who sustains you. That we need his bread of life to keep us living in both plenty and in want. And if you're not familiar with how we do communion around here, we'll have two stations off to the sides. Uh, there is a gluten-free um, and packaged the all-together um, option for you. Uh, there will be also someone up, uh, up top in the loft. But we invite you to kind of come down the sides, the insides of the tables, and then kind of you around if you're not familiar. But at this point in time, come for now things already.
you to sing this one out. Our God is great and strong and mighty. We get to worship him because he is powerful and good.
our God. Amen? Yeah. God's good. God is great. Just look at Jesus. You want to know the infinite and the the finite? The transcendent, the imminent? Our Father in heaven, all you had to do is keep looking at Jesus. Brothers, sisters, it's not about where we're praying today. It's what we're praying into. (laughs) Letting that prayer form you. Allowing that prayer to have room in your life. Allowing that God to have space. That's all he wants. If you let him. What a good God. What a great God. Go with this blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. Because he can. (laughs) Lord, cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you because he's good. Lord, lift up his countenance and smile upon you and give you his peace because that's his life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's children said, amen. Go in peace. If you don't mind stacking a few chairs, we appreciate it. Otherwise, if you want to hang out and chat as well, that'd be awesome.